Well, good morning, everyone. Hello, and welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Vadig, and welcome to another show. Today, we're going to talk about dreaming the impossible dream, and I promise that I won't break out in song. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for everyone. Um, actually, I used to uh, sing pretty well um, back in the day when I was young. Um, Lori says, happy anniversary. According to my notes, tomorrow is the one year anniversary of Nerd Unscripted. Yes, I believe that is correct. Yeah, it was right around the beginning of April. And uh, to that end, I want to share just a little bit of info. Um, I am planning on um, pausing Nerd Unscripted over the summer. Uh, just because everybody's busy and out and about, myself included. So I'm not quite sure yet when that's going to start. Um, it's not going away permanently or anything like that. We're just going to take a little time off here um, over the warm weather months <laughs> and then revisit it again. So um, anyway, I'll let you know once I make a decision on when that'll be exactly because I don't know for sure yet. I haven't made up a final this is when it's going to be, but it is something that I've been thinking a lot about. And Chris and I have talked about it and, uh, we have so much stuff that's going on. It's, it's insane. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, you adapt and you'll find out a little bit about it today, uh, which is what prompted our discussion today. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll definitely keep you on the loop because I appreciate all of you coming and joining me here every week. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy it, which is why I, you know, I have no plans of ending it permanently. Just, you know, taking off the, the nice weather <laughs> so I can get some other things taken care of. But anyway, whenever that happens. So whenever I was thinking about, um, what to discuss today, the whole idea of impossible kept coming up and I think it was inspired partly just by the, um, the events that have happened over the last few days with Kristen and myself. Um, one of the things that I've discovered and we've talked about it here in this, uh, venue before is how, Whenever we are in the right space and we're unattached to outcomes, that's when magic can happen. And, you know, I've, it's taken me a while to get there to, to be honest from my, when my journey on this path first started years and years ago. And I think that's true for all of us. We just kind of take the steps that are before us and hopefully actually take the steps that are before us. It seems like so many are unwilling to these days. And before you know it, you just have this underlying expectation, I guess, that somehow or another, you may not know how, things are just going to work out. And I remember, uh, I think I've shared this story before, but I remember years ago, I was buying water at Walmart. 
and um, I I didn't really give much thought to it. I was just buying a case of water, and so the girl rang it out, and uh, she goes, "I don't believe it. It actually worked." And I said, "What?" And she's like, "I always have such a hard time getting these to ring out correctly because it scans the barcodes on the bottles instead of on the package, and then it doesn't ring up right, and blah blah blah." And I said, oh, well, I can explain why it worked out this time. And she's like, well, why? And I said, because everything goes my way. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me a little bit like a dog in a new pan, <laughs> not quite sure what to do. And uh, she's like, well, I never really thought about that before. And I said, well, think of it this way. You have a 50-50 choice on whether to expect something to go in your favor or for nothing to go your direction, your way. I said, so why make the negative choice? Why not just choose to believe that everything is going to go your way? And she said, I never really thought about it like that at all before, but I appreciate you sharing that. I don't know if she ever latched onto it or not. It's hard to escape our story sometimes, you know, and we all have them. Doesn't matter how far down the road you are in this, you know, evolution that we're all going through. We still have parts of our story that we hang on to. And sometimes our story becomes so much a part of us that we're completely blind to it. Like we don't even realize that we say half the shit we say, you know, unless somebody parrots it back to us or, you know, we're actually aware enough to realize that we've said it. And I've seen it happen multiple times with coaching students over the years and different ones. It's like, why did you just say that? Like, say what? And I repeat it back to them. They didn't even know that they said what they said. And so it becomes a lifestyle. And what's, what's cool to me is that very often we'll look at the struggle of life or the struggle of getting to the next level, whatever that is. And we see that as part of our impossible dream, you know, that it's never going to happen. It's impossible. I'm not going to figure this out. You know, I'm going to keep dating crazy women. I'm not going to actually meet somebody who I'm compatible with or, you know, fill in the blank. I'm never going to get out of this dead end job or I'm never going to get an idea that will actually make me any money or I'll never figure out how to use this software no matter how hard I try and so we create these stories that we buy into. It's like shoveling our own BS. You know, we just buy it hook, line, and sinker and accept it as fact when in reality it isn't. And so as we actually make choices and say, you know what, I, don't, I have no clue how this is going to work out or how I'm going to get to point B, I just trust that I will. As soon as we take our hands off the wheel, so to speak, and let the universe do, do its thing without our help, quote unquote. <laughs> um, it's amazing what can fall into place because whenever we're attached to an outcome, even if it's uh, a positive thing that we're talking about, uh, we are often in the way. We are often the problem that is preventing whatever it is from happening because you know i think by design we're we all tend to be control freaks we 
have fight or flight built into us. We have this survival mechanism built into us. And so it can be really challenging for us to let go. You know, there's a, a phrase that was popular in the church for a while. Not that I necessarily espouse to it, but there's truth to it for sure. That says, let go and let God. And from a certain point of view, I think I could definitely agree with that certainly from being unattached. There's a difference between being unattached and being detached. And so detachment is not what I'm talking about at all. Um, but I know like there's been different times when Kristen and I have had conversations and she's like, but how do you remain unattached to something that you really, really want? And, and I said, well, there's always going to be a connection there. Of course. I mean, <laughs> why would we, want to see that thing come to pass if we didn't really want it, you know, but the unattached part doesn't mean that we don't care. And I think very often that's where confusion can come in, that we associate being unattached to an outcome with not caring about the outcome. And nothing could be further from the truth. Of course, we care about the outcome. We really want to see it happen. What being unattached means is where we take our hands off and say, of course, I want to see this happen, but I also don't want to screw it up. So, you know, however it needs to come together, fine. Because we tend to, and I think this is one of the reasons why things work the way they work, is that we like to control our outcome. And for good reason. It provides us some sense of protection, you know, because we know best of what would keep us safe. And so as a result, um, we have this tendency to develop tunnel vision, which I've talked a lot about tunnel vision lately because it's, it's a big thing. Um, but we, we have this tendency to think that it can only happen this way. And if it doesn't work out this way, then I'm screwed. When in reality, there's an infinite number of ways that something could work out. The fact that you don't know what those are, A, drives you crazy. B, has nothing to do with the outcome whatsoever. Like, that's where magic really happens. That's where impossible becomes possible, is when we accept the fact that we may not know how this is all going to work out and that's okay. You know, other, rather than, um, you know, rather we just take the position of trusting and trust is really hard. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, it's having faith and I don't mean faith in the, you know, Christian church sense. I just mean faith, trust that somehow, you know, it's all going to work out. I mean, you know, we hear uh, the statement that we are surrounded by abundance. But yet, in being surrounded by abundance, there's many times where we feel like we're sinking into a dark place that we can never come out of. And abundance doesn't just mean money. It can mean anything. You know, re relationships. It can mean um, peace. It can mean happiness, love. You know, all of those things. But certainly money as well. And that there's no, um, you know, there's no dream that we could dream 
that would that would extend beyond the abundance that surrounds us. But, you know, if you're like me at all and you have these big dreams that are, you know, half billion dollar dreams or whatever, um, it makes you scratch your head going, okay, that's a lot of money. Where the hell is that going to come from? And see, the fact even that we assign that that's a lot of money is a limiting belief. That's not being unattached. Because money is neutral. It you know really has no power other than what we assign it. And so whenever we look at $100 versus $1,000 versus a $1 million, we're the ones that make the million dollar impossible to achieve. We are. The universe couldn't care less. It's a machine, basically. Um, maybe a very sentient, <laughs> hyper-aware machine, but still. Um, but it doesn't care. It's like, oh, well, Tony's been a good boy, so I'm going to give him the million dollars. But Liz has been a bad girl, so, you know, I'll give her 50 bucks. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, the universe don't care one way or the other. Um, other than abiding by law, right? The underlying spiritual laws that we all function under. And so uh, a million, the difference between a million dollars and a dollar is a bunch of zeros. And if you think about it, it's zero. <laughs> you know, zero. We assign meaning to it. A million dollars is hard. A dollar is easy, right? We are the ones who assign that. And so as a result, you know, we'll get ideas that come to us and we, we feel pretty certain that they're inspired. And we latch on to them and we can see them in our mind's eye. And we have no idea how on earth that could ever possibly happen because it will cost X or, you know, a part of the puzzle that we need just isn't available, at least to us. Or, you know, we have all these reasons and excuses to justify. And is it really like, are those reasons and excuses real or are they crutches for us? to justify potential failure. That way, if it doesn't work out, we have an excuse to fall back on. Well, you know, I thought it was a cool dream, but um, after all, it was pretty big and I was, you know, shooting for the moon. And, uh, and that's okay. I'm still really content with where I am. And there's nothing wrong with being content with where you are. But to make up an excuse for why you perceive that you failed when in reality, the answer could have been sitting right there and you didn't even recognize it because it didn't line up with your tunnel vision. And so I think that's where a lot of people get sidetracked when it comes to dreaming the impossible dream is that they think it's going to show up in a red dress when in reality it's wearing blue polka dots. And they don't have the vision to recognize, oh, it's the same thing. It's just presenting itself in a different way. And so we're spending all of our time scoping the landscape, looking for that red dress. I know it's here somewhere. Where is it? Where is it? I don't say, oh, there's, oh, no, it's pink. You know, and uh, before you know it, time has passed and we no longer recognize what this, you know, we give up on the impossible dream as impossible. And the whole time, you know, the same thing as standing there in a blue dress and a green dress and a brown dress 
in a pantsuit, in a bathing suit, all, and they're all waving their hands going, we're right here, you know. The red dress is in the laundry. We're still here. And we don't even recognize it. And then we give up and we feel like we failed. When in reality, it was there all along and we just couldn't recognize it. It's a very dangerous thing. Um, and it, it's a danger at every level. It doesn't matter where you are. You know, if you're just a stay-at-home mom wanting to make a couple extra bucks or make your own crafts or whatever, uh, trying to make a go of it on Etsy, maybe, you know, you're you know, in a nine-to-five job doing something that you love, but you have this idea of something cool that would you'd love to also do and imagine being able to spend full time doing that. There's, you know, there's any number of scenarios. The real challenge is to um, learn how to recognize the impossible dream as being possible. And the only way to do that is to get your hands off of it, you know, not to give up on it, not to, you know, decide, well, I don't care anymore. And you're secretly trying to, you know, pull some kind of a, you know, ninja move on your mind <laughs> to trick yourself into thinking that it's actually going to happen. It's nothing like that at all. It's literally just taking a position and um, by the way, I haven't always had this position figured out. I mean, it's certainly within the last year where I've really gotten clarity on it. Because I've had a lot of people say, well, what does being unattached even mean? Um, and I couldn't tell them. But now I can. It's literally taking a position of, I don't know everything. And because I don't know everything, that means that the possibility of the answer being something that I may not normally recognize is very real. It's a very real possibility. So it's within my best interest to keep an open hand with my dream in the middle of an open hand and say, I don't know everything. So however it needs to happen, I'm cool with that. So I'm still invested in the dream. I still care about the dream. I'm just not attached to how the dream happens, you know? And I'll give you a really great, great example. I have a couple. One that just literally happened yesterday. So, um, Kristen and I have this plan. It's a master business plan. And I've alluded to it in the past. It's, it's been a driving force for us for the last four years. Ever since we got together, really. And more and more of it has come into our awareness. You know, it's like we didn't get the whole thing complete. But, you know, the end game for us is um, a science center and a theme park and stuff like that. And then uh, within that plan, we have a series of steps that are planned out over a couple years. And um, it's, it's pretty lofty, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, pretty insane. I mean, you can't try to actually process it because it will overwhelm you. I mean, it's just how it is. But 
um, the uh, antique booths that we had at the mall, which is how we got started in the retail, were part of the plan. The toy store is a part of the plan. The nerd store, part of the plan. Um, the gluten-free bakery, part of the plan, which that's a next year project. Um, and, and so we have like, in addition to our current stores, we have, I think, six other businesses planned. And uh, they're all stepping stones to get us to a, a much bigger end goal. And so one of the uh, plans that we had um, that's in our master plan is this business called um, Wonder Marketplace. And essentially what Wonder Marketplace is, is kind of like an artisan co-op of sorts where there would be booths very similar to an antique booth or antique mall. And it would give um, the vendors the ability to test ideas. So whether they're artists or um, interested in antiques and stuff like that, they would be able to, you know, run a booth for a couple hundred bucks or less and try out their idea, you know? So it's basically like for makers, artists, um, antiques people, you know, folks like that. And it's something that we've been very actively envisioning. Um, we have to be careful. We've noticed that we don't give too much attention to something because it starts happening. And I've talked about that before. Um, it's a re it's a real thing. <laughs> it's insane how that works. And so um, there's a building that is fairly local, went up for sale about a year ago. And it used to be a furniture store. And it's, it's massive. And we've been through it. And they just recently dropped the asking price to to only 995,000, um, so just under a million. And that's only because they cut out an acre of the original five acres that was there. So they dropped the price initially. And um, they have it available for lease as well. And we thought this is gonna, this would be the perfect space for us to do Wonder Marketplace or Wonder Market or whatever the final title is, I don't recall. And we've looked at it and I'll, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, with the two retail stores that we have and everything we're doing online, you know, we don't have an extra mill set, you know, just sitting around in the bank waiting for us to spend it. Uh, nor do we have any desire to, uh, to get a mortgage on a million dollars. And so we're, you know, we basically took the position, we're going to do this, this is going to happen, but I have no thing, no idea how. So we took that dream and the idea of the building and all that kind of stuff and just went full unattached. Because what other choice do we have? I mean, we can't make it happen anyway, right? So we went unattached. So um, a week ago, uh, I guess a little over a week ago, uh, Kristen um, wanted to test out another one of our ideas that is on our list. And it's uh, a little side business called Brickworks, which uh, focuses on selling Legos. And so there was a local Comic-Con. And uh, so we uh, went there and, 
you know, set up all these Legos and everything for sale and it did okay. Not great. I mean, we barely broke even, um, all things considered <laughs> there's a completely different story in there that we won't take time for today. But, um, anyway, while we were at the Comic-Con, uh, I was walking around looking at the different booths and everything. And one of the booths had this flyer on it for this brand new antique market called 1884 Market House. And I'd never heard of it before. And it's in a town about 20 minutes from our house. And uh, so I was reading it. And then I went on reading the little flyer. And then I went on to the website. And it just looked awesome. I mean, it's very cool um, and very similar to the idea that we had for Wonder Marketplace. And so I told Kristen, you got to check this out, you know. And so they said that they were accepting vendors. They were looking for vendors. Uh, and their vendor spaces, they were charging a um, dollar a square foot, which is ridiculously inexpensive if you've ever done antique booths or anything like that. When we were at Black Rose, we had four booths there. And we were paying about two sixty a square foot, $2.60. So, you know, about 900 a month is what we were spending there. And um, so anyway, I, I sent in a, a vendor request and the, um, the owner wrote me back and told me to give him a call uh, whenever I was able to. I called twice over the course of Sunday and Monday, didn't get an answer, left messages. So we went down there on Wednesday of last week and to just walk through the place and check it out. And um, it was awesome. I mean, they had artists there um, with booze. They had antiques there and everything was very upscale and 20,000 square feet. So it's not small. And uh, I mean, we weren't there five minutes and it was like, we have to have a space here. I mean, it's just simple. So then it became, let's pick one, you know? So we went through and we found this space with a lot of windows and skylights. It's very bright. It's the brightest space in the entire building. And the fact that it was still available was kind of mind boggling to us, but we committed to it and we're actually um, moving things into it tomorrow. And um, cause like, Whenever opportunity presents itself, we don't screw around. We just take action. Um, that's just how we are. So we spent the whole weekend in our storage units pulling out stuff that we could offer, you know, for sale in this place. But one of the things we loved about it was the fact that they have, you know, makers in there, artisans. They have antiques. I mean, it's just a really nice blend, um, but nothing junky or anything like that, which is awesome. So. Um, the owner, Harry was there. We saw him in passing. We were talking to their marketing manager, who's very sharp cookie. And, uh, we were just tossing stuff at her, at, uh, out at her just to see if she knew her stuff. And she just totally kept pace with us, which is great. Um, and so yesterday I got this phone call in the afternoon and I didn't recognize the number, but I figured I would answer it 
um, you know, basically gearing up for the spam call that I thought it was, uh, you know, so I could get that back brace that I need or whatever, pay off my student loans, the ones that I never had. Um, and uh, so I answered the phone and it was Harry, um, the guy who is doing this market house. And so, you know, he said, uh, you know, I saw that you guys decided to, you know, uh, get a space with us. And I really appreciate it. I wanted to call to say thank you. And we're excited that you guys are doing antique toys and everything. That's one of my favorite things of all time is antique toys and furniture, those two things. And so we had a nice conversation about that. And, um, and I said, well, you, you're doing a great job. Like your vision is very similar to something that, that we had in mind that we wanted to do. As a matter of fact, um, and this is how dense I really was like the, the market house thing that he's doing was in a Shire furniture building, which is, um, that was the company name, uh, there in Waynesboro. And there's also a Shire furniture in Chambersburg. And that was the name of the building that we were looking at and just figured that, you know, he's an entrepreneur, bought the real estate and decided to turn it into an antique booth. That was my assumption or an antique mall. And so I said, yeah, we had a very similar vision to, uh, oddly enough, the Shire furniture here in Chambersburg. We've looked at it many times. We've been through it. We've dreamed about it. We've talked about it just as recently as the other day. And he's like, well, you know, what were you thinking? And it's like, well, very similar to what you're doing at Market House where you'd have, you know, antique booths and artisans and artists and all of that kind of stuff. And you know, um, high, you know, upscale, high end, so on and so forth. And he's like, well, it's really interesting that you should mention that because I own that building too. And that's exactly what I'm doing with it. And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, he said, uh, we're doing the same thing. Uh, we're already in process with it. It's going to be several months. But um, this is what we have in mind. And he started explaining everything to us and all of that. And I was shell-shocked uh, because he described our impossible dream for that particular business, Wonder Marketplace. He described it perfectly. Everything that we wanted to do, he's doing in the exact building that we looked at. Because he's owned it for 30 years. <laughs> and I thought, like a lot of people did, that Shire's Furniture was a family name. It's not. Shire is German for barn, apparently. Because it's a big farm. Or, you know, a big old barn. And so he told us the name that he was thinking of, which is pretty awesome. The, the barn, I guess, was built in 1833. So he's looking at, like, 1833 Shire uh, market house or something so that it would have a similar name to the one in the other town. And, uh, so then he says, well, this is very interesting. I'm glad that we've had a chance to talk. We need to talk more to see if there's a way that we can do business at a higher level related to this. Cause I, I think I'd love to have you guys involved with it. He said, uh, I know that you just went into, or that you're just going into our space in Waynesboro, and I really appreciate that. 
how would you like free booth space in the new place in Chambersburg? And I said, free? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. He's like, you guys can talk about it and see. And he didn't even finish his sentence. I'm like, yes, <laughs> we'll do it. And uh, so the more we talked, and so we're going to be meeting with him uh, tomorrow to discuss some more. And then we're going to take a walk through the building and he's going to show us exactly what he has in mind. And I even threw out like, you know, we even talked about putting a T-Rex in the main area because you got the height and all of that. And he's like, oh, that would be awesome. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I mean, just everything that we had imagined fell into place. And the beautiful thing is, we didn't have to pay for it. You know? It's not costing us anything. Even our space in the place is being given to us for free. Now, how is that for stepping into an impossible dream? Never saw it coming in a million years. But here's what's interesting. We started focusing on, we should get back into antiques again. And I mean, we went and looked at a lot of different spaces and none of them just even inspired us to say the least. They all look like junk holes. And so we figured, well, you know, if we find a place, we find a place. If we don't, okay, you know, whatever. So we were very unattached to even that part of it. And then to just uh, happen to, you know, go into a place with the guy who turns out owns the same building that we were looking at for our big thing. It's just mind-blowing. I mean, after I got off the phone with the guy yesterday, we, I had him on speaker and Chris and I were standing in our sunroom. And I was pretty speechless, and that's kind of hard to do. Um, I mean, I was on the verge of tears. You know how emotional I can get, <laughs> especially after last week, right? Um, I was just shell-shocked. And I, you know, I told Chris, and I said, you know, I've been doing this stuff for a long time, just believing that the impossible can happen. Like, that's just who I am. That's it's really become a part of who I am. But yet every single time that it falls into place, it still blows me away. Like, I just don't take it for granted. I mean, I accept it in faith, I guess, but I don't take it for granted. And so that's happening right now. <laughs> so Krista messaged our employees yesterday and she's like, well, this just happened. Looks like we are starting a new business in 2019 because we told them that we weren't. We, we said that we weren't starting any new businesses until 2020. And so we had to take that back, <laughs> apparently. But um, so, yeah, I mean, saved us a million dollars. That's a good thing. Um, I love that. So I'm, it really, if anything, it, it's expanded my thinking and possibilities to even more so like, wow. Okay. So if this can fall into place like this, it's zero cost to us. What about the science center? What about the park? Like, what about all that kind of stuff? Cause you're talking serious, serious cash, right? And so it's just shifted, even with me, it's just shifted a lot of how I'm thinking just in the last 24 hours. It's kind of been crazy and fun. 
So I'll share another story, Impossible Dream. So a while back, probably nine months ago or so, I got an idea. And it's it's a it's an idea for an invention that um, fits well into the toy industry. And I'm not going to give it away because uh, at this stage, because you know I'd have to make y'all sign NDAs, and we're not going to go there. But um, I believe in protecting intellectual property. Sometimes <laughs> you have to know when to talk and when not to. But anyways, it's a pretty cool idea, and I've sat on it for a while, and I've built a couple prototypes and just different things like that. And I honestly, I just didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know where to go with it. Um, and so it was kind of an on again, off again thing, never too far from my mind, but you know, so, but I was kind of stuck with it. And then, um, I got an email from a guy who I've been following for the last nine years, a marketing guy who has had experience in licensing things to, uh, toy companies. And he's had some success in that area. And so he sent out this email because I've been on his list. And um, he was doing this thing about having a one-on-one -on -one, um, phone or Zoom call, you know, using Zoom. And it was fairly inexpensive, like 97 bucks or something like that. And he wanted to talk to people about... Um, inventing and licensing ideas like that sounds like a cool thing that could be a good fit for this thing once i made the decision to contact him and we set up a time i paid him you know i paid him his fee and we set up a time instantly it was like a breakthrough happened with the um with the idea that i had and all of a sudden, I started getting these insights into how to make it better. And, you know, it had been awesome if I had gotten these six months ago, but I didn't, you know. And uh, so then I went into the state of improving, improving. And I'd dream about it and get these ideas and everything. And so I met with a guy and, you know, he said, I can guarantee you that, um, you know, we can talk about your ideas and, um, you know, I can offer some suggestions to make it better because I've been there and done that and everything. And I'm like, well, that's what I need. You know, I need. And so we had this conversation about 45 minutes or so. And um, I had sent him a proposal of what I was working on and some of my own personal backstory and my skill set and, um, you know, some of the tools that I have available to me here, like my Glowforge and stuff like that. And he loved the idea. He thought that I was definitely onto something. And uh, he kept asking me, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Well, I had answers to every question that he had because, you know, I've been at this for a while when it comes to marketing and all kinds of stuff like that. I know what I'm doing. And uh, it, it was really interesting because he didn't really have much to contribute to make it better. 
um, which I found extremely curious. And so at the end of our call, he's like, well, I really like your idea and I'd love to, uh, I'd love to work with you more. And I actually have a program and so on and so forth. And, um, you'd be the a perfect fit for it. And I said, so tell me about your program. And so he went on to tell me that it was like 15,000 and 15% of any royalties that I would make. Um, and I mean, 15 grand is a lot of money, but it's certainly not more than what I've paid for other programs. But with us investing in the stores and being first quarter and all that kind of stuff, even 18 grand, you know, we just don't have that sitting around. I mean, hell, that'll go to buy more inventory for the stores before ever would for a one-on-one coaching program. And so I talked to Kristen about it. I thought about it for a little while and I responded back to him and told him as much. It's like, I really appreciate your offer, you know, and I appreciate your wisdom and all of that. But for, for where we are right now and what we need to invest in for our stores for the year, can't do it. You know, um, I can't justify doing that when we need inventory for our stores or, you know, whatever. And so there was also something about the process that wasn't quite sitting right with me. And I didn't know why, because I've followed this guy for a long time. And so anyway, I just put it out there and let it go, you know, and he wrote me back and thanked me for letting him know and so on and so forth. A couple of days later, and that was for a year long program. So a couple of days later, I get an email from him that said, uh, you know, I was giving some thought to it and I could still, I think I came up with a solution that would work great for both of us. Um, how would you feel about just doing a six month program with me? And instead of the 15 grand, it would be 4,500. Well, the idea of spending money for me is not something that scares me. And, and I'm not going to mention the guy's name cause that's unimportant, but there is a marketing lesson here. Um, the fact that he was willing to cut his rate by two thirds tells me one thing he needs money because who does that? Who cuts their rate by two thirds when they just pitch 15 grand? And so it became a, well, I need to stay on task and focused on my business to this just became a clear no. And I don't know why, but I, I can't do that. Like if somebody is desperate for money, they're not going to help me in my business. Sorry. You know, I don't care how bad I need the help. And so I just thanked him kindly. And, you know, that was it. I, you know, even though it's less. To me, the move wasn't smart on his part. So I closed that door and figured, you know what? I'm, I'll just figure it out myself. I'm a smart guy. <laughs> you know, I can figure out how to do this. And um, so I was actually searching for some information on licensing product ideas. And I came across this other guy named Stephen Key. And he has a company called InventRight. And it is over-the-top incredible company. Um, 
hours upon hours of videos on YouTube, on their channel, on how to license and, you know, everything you can imagine. Um, he has authored three books, which I bought all three. Uh, he has several coaching programs and his highest, highest end program is only four grand, which, you know, um, and the, the attitude and the, the feeling, if I, if I may, the feeling of his company, you know, it isn't just some guy sending me an email. This guy is a full company with over 20 licensed products, um, got his start in the toy industry as the project manager for Teddy Ruxpin and laser tag. And so he knows the toy industry really well, has all the connections and everything. And I was like, I never would have found that guy if found this guy had I just dropped the 15 grand and went on my merry way and I'd have had a less than perfect experience, most likely. And so once again, it was this opportunity where what seemed to be the right answer wasn't the right answer. And whenever I just took my hands off of it and let go, staying unattached to the outcome, all of a sudden the right answer appears just like that. And quite frankly, this guy gives away so much information, I wouldn't even need to sign up for his coaching um, to get and have everything that I need to connect with the companies. You know, they just do a one-on-one -on -one hand holding kind of thing, which is very cool. And um, and I like the guy. I mean, just in uh, yeah, Stephen Key invent right. That's correct, Tony. And Jim, uh, U.S. What the name was? Uh, the guy's name is Stephen Key, and his company's Invent Right. He actually has a whole team. Um, and I know that you've been asking about stuff like that, Jim. So I would really recommend checking his stuff out for sure. Uh, but anyway, um, so now all of a sudden that I found this guy, like the ideas for fine tuning my product have been over the top. I mean, just really over the top. I mean, we were sitting watching the voice last night and I was on my iPad. Um, designing parts of it uh, in a CAD program that I just started learning called uh, Shaper 3D. And so design the main parts of it in CAD, uploaded it to Shapeways to get 3D models printed out of it, and they should be here the beginning of next week. And I mean, just the clarity that came and everything. I haven't given the guy a dime, honestly, except for um, buying his books on Amazon uh, and they're not that expensive, but I am uh, going to invest in his training ultimately just because um, it sounds like what I need. Plus he has a, an IP attorney on staff and I mean, Kristen and I have one on retainer, but this guy is specific toward working with provisional patents and stuff like that. So um, just an added benefit of being part of his academy. Um, but anyway, so it was another instance where, you know, I was really struggling with this dream. I'm not quite sure where to go with it. 
And then all of a sudden, the door, the right door opened up. And it was really because I left, you know, kept an open hand about it all. And um, does that mean that somehow, you know, I'm going to license this idea to some company or multiple companies and make millions of dollars? Who knows? You know, it's just my responsibility to not let it die. Like, I've been given this gift. If it ends up hitting a dead end, I will know that I've done everything that I can do. And it's not just about coming up with an idea and then, uh-oh, you know, well, that was fun. On to the next thing. Um, so it's just taking action, you know. And very often we get to a place of not taking the right action because we don't know what the right action is. And so we stop rather than look or stay open to possibility, or consider the seeming impossible, we just stop. And then those ideas die. Or they, you know, they just don't happen. And I can tell story after story after story of things like that that have happened in Kristen's in my life just in the last year. I mean, it's crazy. And it's humbling and I'm not saying that to brag, because honestly, we're no more special than anybody else. You know, we use the bathroom just like all of you. We eat the same way, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, we have the same, you know, issues and struggles and all of that. But um, we, we're just open to the possibility that the impossible can really happen. And uh, I like that. So let me uh, look at down through a couple comments and questions here. Lori says, so what you're saying is to only expect the dream, not the process of creating the dream. Well, you need the process. The, the trick is to not get so locked into the process needing to happen a certain way. Like we could have held on to the idea that marketplace, wonder marketplace had to happen and it be named market wonder marketplace and it needed to be in this town in this building and i mean we could have really honed in it's like well it's really cool that they're doing something similar to us you know to take that position uh and then end up spending needless hundreds of thousands of dollars when in reality the same thing is happening in the same building turns out and it's not costing us a dime. It's not going to be named Wonder Marketplace, but you know what? I don't care. It's happening. You know, and I'm more interested in the dream uh, and seeing that become a reality because the dream involves other people and it's going to give other people an opportunity uh, to perhaps dip their toe into business for the first time or to test out their dream or whatever. So it doesn't have to have the name that Kristen and I came up with on it. I could care less about that. Um, I care about clarity, integrity, um, doing things at a professional level. You know, I'm not going to be connected to something that, that just looks like crap. That's just not who I am. So there has to be a level of professionalism and 
seeing what they've done with the first version of this, the first project in the other town, it's awesome. I mean, they've done a really amazing job there. So I have every confidence that the same will follow through with this because he told me as much. I mean, you know, we talked about junk dealers and all, all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, we haven't been in the antiques business super long, four years, but still we know what's good and what isn't. We know what the competition is like. We know what sells and what doesn't sell. And uh, so to hear him share like his ideas regarding that was refreshing. William says the challenge is not the dream, but the identify, identifying the beliefs we have and accepting that the beliefs we have are not completely based in reality, so we can change them by changing the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Because um, ultimately it really does come down to that, doesn't it? The stories that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. It's like, uh, and I apologize in advance if this offends anybody. Um, it's just my personal opinion on it, but there seems to be this, um, big movement these days of, um, psychologists and different ones recommending emotional support animals. Um, and somebody who I know who I won't say, uh, just recently got one at the recommendation of her psychiatrist or whatever it is, whatever professional, and uh, said, oh, you should get a, a dog as an emotional support animal. And, you know, my first response was, you know, first of all, whatever doctor recommended that should be fired. Because the last thing that they need is an emotional support animal. They need to face their damn fears. You know, face their shit and deal with it. You don't need an emotional support animal to do that. You know, go buy a damn stuffed bear. But, if you know, um, we let people off the hook emotionally. And people are weak emotionally. And it's time to face your stuff rather than being afraid of it, and move on. Like, get rid of the story that you've accepted as reality and rewrite your story. We all can do it. It's not like magic. We all can do it. Um, but we're, we look for every crutch, every possible scenario that we can blame anyone else because it's not our fault. It's all our fault. It ain't God. You know, well, it isn't God's will. Bullshit. It has nothing to do with anything. It's that you don't want to deal with it. You know, so <laughs> it just, oh my gosh. Talk about enabling people to stay in their own trap. It drives me insane. So enough of that soapbox. But anyway, you're absolutely right, William, about the stories we tell ourselves. Holy cow. You know, how about I can do anything? Nothing is impossible. Those are great stories to tell ourselves. You know, I may not know how to have, have how it's going to happen, but I believe it's going to happen. That's a great story. You know, I like that one. Like, I'm unstoppable. I think that's a fun story. 
but you know, I need a dog so I feel better about myself. Please. You know, everybody knows that you need a cat. <laughs> oh my heavens. <laughs> This says, it sounds like the big plan is culmination or process of little steps along the, uh, little question steps along the way. Well, it's absolutely that, you know, it's absolutely that, you know, we've talked a lot about following your gut, following your instincts and whatever, and it's picking up on those little nudges that can be very easy to miss. And yeah, I'd love to say that I catch every single one of them, but I don't. I mean, I'm getting a little bit better at it, but um, I still miss them sometimes. I still have, you know, still get in a bad mood, still have attitudes, still have to apologize for stuff at times, you know, had to do it this morning. But um, it ultimately, it comes down to really paying attention. We're getting messages all the time, literally. That's part of what it means to be surrounded by abundance. It isn't just cash falling out of the sky. Being surrounded by abundance means that we're gaining, we have the ability to tap into insights that we need at any given moment. It's our choice whether to pay attention or not. And sometimes they can get really loud and then they catch our attention. It's like, oh, okay. You know, I don't know why I keep seeing the number 44, but that's kind of weird. And we dismiss it until finally it keeps happening enough that we're like, I wonder what 44 means. And we look it up. Now it's got our attention. You know, did it really have to come to that? No, we could have picked up on it the first time, but most of us are way too dense. I know I, I can be a very stubborn uh, person. And I know Kristen would agree with that. I mean, I'm an Aries, you know, so Ram stubborn just kind of all goes <laughs> with the gig, but I'm getting better at it. Oh, cool. Mark says, thought I'd mention that after last week's nerd unscripted, I had the most awesome hawk encounter where one flew up right in front of my car, just in front of the windshield and flew along with me for quite a while. Totally awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, I don't know if this, like I had a cool thing happen too, and I don't remember if it was before the show or after. But um, one thing we do not have a lot of around here is uh, bald eagles. You almost never see them. Um, I think I've seen four in my entire life in this area, this specific area. And uh, I was driving just a couple miles from the house the other day and had a bald eagle buzz my car, like right, flew right in front of my car. And uh, I was really taken back because you just don't see them here. Like hawks, I see them all the time, but not bald eagles. So that was kind of cool. I just started laughing. I'm like, awesome. You know, What's your message? <laughs> I want to know. Mary says, whoa, that's a twist of serendipitous synchronicity. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it really is a cool story, Liz. And I'm excited to, 
for Kristen and I to discover what it all ends up looking like. I mean, who knows? You know, I told her once again, here we are, the business developer connecting with the uh, real estate developers. And I like that because um, we're really, really good at developing businesses. And uh, for us, I mean, I love the idea of investing in real estate. I mean, it's it can be pretty smart and worthwhile for sure. But, you know, you can invest. Think about it this way. This is kind of how we're where we are with it right now. We could invest, say, a half a million dollars into a business or into a, you know, real estate property. And of course, I mean, you get a mortgage or whatever, whatever that would end up being. And then you're on the hook for it or let somebody else take care of that part. And you invest the money in the business, you know, that actually provides jobs and provides services and all of that. That's what we enjoy doing, you know, because we give the opportunity to like I we buy the building. We've got a building. We build the business. We provide jobs. We provide a destination, you know, we invest into the community that way. So that's why we've decided, at least for now, to partner with developers, real estate developers. That way they can do what they love. We can do what we love. And it's, it's a good match. It's really worked out well for us so far. Mark says, you fell down the serendipity rabbit hole in that deal for sure. It absolutely requires some emotion. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. I'm still a little bit shocked. And Liz says, uh, sounds to me that you might just have a hand in the shape of things to come as it relates to your vision of antique market in Chambersburg. Yeah, it it's really looking that way and I'm I'm looking uh forward to, you know, the next part of the conversation which is tomorrow afternoon. Um just to kind of cuz we're meeting up with Harry, he's the owner of the buildings. Um which he actually had the furniture stores too. He just decided to get out of the furniture business. Um so we're meeting with him tomorrow afternoon and then walking through the Chambersburg building. I, we've been in it many times before, but not empty, you know? And so I want to see what his vision is for placement of different things like that. And I mean, there's some things that we've wanted to get into from an antiques perspective that we just couldn't because we didn't have space like furniture. We've had some really great opportunities to buy antique furniture for crazy, crazy cheap. And we just have no place to put it, you know? So we've had to pass on a lot of stuff. And every time we do, it's like, man, this sucks, you know, because we don't have a place to put it. And now it looks like we may, so. Oh, this is cool. Uh, Kathleen shared a quote. My seemingly impossible good now comes to pass under grace in a perfect way. Uh, Florence Scovel Shen. And uh, Kathleen says, I keep that as a note on my computer screen. That's a good note. I like that a lot.
Uh, William asks, how long was a $97 licensing call? It was like 40 minutes, maybe, something like that. It wasn't super long. Like, he did make, in his defense, he made one suggestion related to software app um, for my idea, and it just didn't have any connection to me at all. Like, it didn't make sense to me, but, you know, I'll entertain anything just, you know, because... The idea has a lot of potential um, and could work for multiple companies. So I'm pretty confident that, and you know, that some kind of a licensing deal could come out of it. And I much prefer licensing over manufacturing because that's what I initially considered was manufacturing. But the costs are just so much higher. So why not just collect a passive royalty and let the companies do the manufacturing? That's kind of my position. Mary says increasing value rather than decreasing pricing is a huge marketing lesson for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jen, the CAD program is called Shaper S uh, Shaper 3D S H A P R, no E, so S H A P R 3D. Um, it's for iPad Pro and um, an Apple Pencil. So you need an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil to, in order to use it. Um, it comes with a 14-day free trial for the Pro version, which is really what you want to use. And then after that, they have like a a subscription that's either yearly or monthly for the monthly i think it's 32 or 33 dollars a month something like that but the thing that i like about it um and i've never used cad before so you know i've done some 3d modeling but not cad and i've i've tried <laughs> different programs and there's some that I really like to learn, like Fusion 360. But uh, what's really cool about this one is, uh, and it's probably, I guess, one of the things that I was really looking for, so I like the fact that it's easy, is um, the ability to create um, uh, like fillets and uh, rounded edges and stuff like that on objects really easily. Um, which is this program makes it simple. I mean, you literally click on a, a surface and drag your pencil and it'll give you a nice little rounded edge on it or a slanted edge. And you can be very precise typing in the percentage and or number of degrees and all of that. I mean, it's, it's pretty intuitive, you know, I mean, I watched a couple very brief tutorials and then I was up and running with the basics pretty quickly. I certainly wouldn't consider myself a master and no, I'm not going to teach a class on it. Definitely not. But, um, I was able to design what I wanted to, uh, with it, uh, in a day, you know, just fiddling with it for a couple hours. So, um, that makes me feel better about the program and myself, <laughs> perhaps.
But anyway, if you need something like that, that's a good place to start. Uh, Jess says, I have always gone with my silent self, which I suspect is my subconscious when it comes to not feeling comfortable with a choice or a person, and it has served me well over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Diane, Diana says, why is the guy offering you space for free? Maybe he wants y'all to manage it. No, we're not managing it, and we have no desire to manage it. Um, but it's actually... Uh, it's a form of partnership that uh, he actually used in his Waynesboro um, place as well that allows him to, um, rather than just have people come willy-nilly, he can go handpick who is in his business. Um, that way he, he ha maintains a certain level of control over how, you know, the type of products that are there the type of people he's surrounded with, you know, so on and so forth. So it's actually a pretty smart business move. William says the Chambersburg Mall <laughs> certainly fits very nicely with Kristen's new casual entrepreneur brand and her work with startups. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and the casual entrepreneur... Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the story of how that came to be, but it's actually a really cool story. Um, she, we, we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, the good old boys club and how, you know, she's very active in the local community and, um, local business startups and marketing and like marketing meetup groups and all that. I don't do any of that shit, but she does it all. And she enjoys it. She enjoys being out there interacting with business owners. And, you know, as you would suspect, because she's a younger woman, a lot of men just don't give her the time of day. Um, and that's just an unfortunate reality that many women face in the business marketplace, in churches, I mean, everywhere. Uh, doesn't make it right. I think it's completely wrong, but it's something that she struggled with. And so... Um, you know, I mean, she's always felt like, and there's an element of truth. I mean, I can't deny it that, you know, for a man to take her serious in business, she's got to show up dressed to the nines and wearing makeup and her hair looking nice and everything. But if she just shows up casually, like who she really is, they won't listen to her. And she's proven as much. And uh, so it's been a point of frustration for her, understandably. And uh, I mean, I've been frustrated for her. And she's like, why can't I just be me? And people take me serious. Like, why can't I just be a casual entrepreneur and just, you know, and people recognize the value that I have to offer them? And I said, that right there, that phrase that you just said, that's who you are. That's your brand. And she's like, what? And I said, casual entrepreneur. You are the casual entrepreneur. And she's like, you're right. That's perfect. I am. And that's literally how the brand started. And so she, in a matter of an hour, she had the logo designed and completely rebranded. I mean, it was super cool just how it came out of a conversation of frustration, really, um, to, you know, the perfect brand for her. Just perfect. Because now, I mean, being the casual entrepreneur, what else is she going to be? Casual? You know, now she gets to show up exactly who she is, as who she is 
And it fits her brand perfect because, you know, she is the casual entrepreneur. And it encompasses a lot of other entrepreneurs as well who just want to be themselves and start their own business or run their own business or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's really a beautiful thing when that kind of stuff comes together. And uh, let's see, William says, uh, comment, victimhood is alive and well for sure, no doubt. Uh, and Carolyn says, uh, great that someone has the guts to say something. This is what the medical profession professional depends on to keep people coming back for more pills and help. I know. Exactly. Um, and Mary says, LOL, amen, write that story, the new one. <laughs> Every animal has its own purpose, identity, and soul. And uh, Liz says, yep, cats are more dependent. I know. I mean, they probably don't recommend um, cats as emotional support animals because cats would basically take the attitude of, go screw yourself. You know, leave me alone. You know, I got my own problems to deal with, like where to sleep next. <laughs> I think the whole thing is sad. I mean, honestly, it's, and I'm not opposed to dogs. I mean, I've had dogs before, you know, Cola. Um, some of you remember him back, gosh, 10 years ago. Um, he was awesome. I loved having him as a pet. But I didn't need him for emotional support, <laughs> you know? It, it was just, I don't know, it just seems weird to me. Like, you know, how some tiny little dog is going to make you feel better about yourself? I don't know. <laughs> William says, Talk about, talking about fears, I'm afraid I'll experience nerd withdrawal syndrome over the summer. <laughs> That's funny right there. <laughs> oh, my heavens. That's hilarious. Uh, Lori says, Tony, one day maybe you could talk about working with the team of advisors. You have to make some of the things you guys do happen like accountants, lawyers, real estate, networking, and so on. I hope you understand my question. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, I've never really, uh, Kristen has talked more about teaching on those kinds of things than I have, but um, very often, I guess, you get so immersed in, in the reality of living the dream, so to speak, that you don't think about you know, all of those things that you ha actually have in place. And there's some things that we've just been putting in the place that we hadn't in the past, you know, like up until nine months, a year ago, um, we didn't have financial planners, but we do now. Um, we, uh, we had an accountant, but Turns out that they weren't really doing their job and it bit us in the ass. And so now we have a new accountant that's hardcore local guy. And, um, you know, he's gently guiding us through the brutal reality of some of the things we're having to deal with. Um, you know, we have the IP attorney guy that we've been dealing with or working with, mostly for trademarks uh, with him. He's been handling mostly trademarks and stuff. 
um, but occasionally copyright questions and those kinds of things. Um, and then developers, like just finding good developers would be a great conversation in and of itself because all of them that we're working with now, like we didn't make that happen. It just came together. So that's been kind of interesting, but um, yeah, I'll think about that. That's definitely something that we have experience in and that has really come together in some pretty cool ways. And we've also, you know, had our own challenges within that as well, for sure. Mark says, it's so awesome to say it's all my fault. When you can wrap your mind around that you caused it, you can accept that you are the uh, best choice to change it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people make assumptions that by accepting responsibility for their actions, it makes them something that they've convinced themselves they aren't. And usually that's a really bad thing. Like they see themselves as some kind of monster or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but to me, that doesn't acknowledge the notion that we can change. It keeps you stuck where you are. And so um, to me, it, it's not like acknowledging weakness or anything like that. Um, and I know that that can be a challenge, especially for men. You know, they don't want to be seen as weak or whatever. Although this current generation, I don't know. It might have gone out the door on them. But um, it. But it's not about weakness. It's not about, you know, real men don't cry. It's not about anything like that at all. To me, um, acknowledging your shortcomings or taking responsibility for your actions is probably, in my opinion, one of the strongest, most responsible things that you could ever do. You know, to me, when somebody says, you know what, I screwed up um, and I need to make different choices to get me on the path that I need to, they just exhibited strength. Like it takes, it takes strength to do that. It takes courage to acknowledge that you screwed up. And that you don't have to, you know, to let that story go. Because the only reason why anyone still has a story that they're hanging on to that isn't necessarily helpful is because they're getting something out of it. Maybe it's attention. Maybe they feel better about themselves somehow in their convoluted way of looking at life. Um, but if, if you have a repeating pattern that you hate, but yet it's still repeating... Guess who's not letting that go? You. Because you're getting something out of it. And the moment that that whatever it is stops serving you and you actually let it go, that's when life changes. You know. Um, and so, I mean, I used to be years and years ago, you know, I was hardcore into denial that, you know, everybody would point out this, you know, this or that thing in me. And I'm like, you're all crazy. You know, and finally it occurred to me one day, you know, so many people are seeing the same thing in me. Maybe it's true. Man, that was a revelation because then I had to face the fact that there was something quote unquote wrong with me when in reality there wasn't anything wrong with me. I had just latched on to a type of behavior that served something that I needed at the time. It wasn't healthy, you know, and the moment I let it go, 
I was a much better person because of it, but we're getting something out of it if we're hanging on to it. So that's why, you know, it's really important to examine that uh, as objectively, whatever that is, you know, that behavior, um, examine it as objectively as possible. Uh, and usually fear is in there somewhere, fear is at the root. And one thing that I found in facing fear is that it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. It may hurt for a moment. It's like whenever I was a kid, I fell down, uh, fell off my bike and skid one of my knees open really badly. And uh, my mom needed to fix it, obviously. So my aunt, Catherine, sat on me. <laughs> I was like seven. <laughs> She saddled me to hold me down, and then mom had to clean the open wound with like hydrogen peroxide or something, or methylate or whatever it was that she used, and put a band aid on it. It hurt like hell, and I screamed like anything, you know. But you know what? It don't hurt me today. I mean, hell, if she hadn't done that, I could have lost my leg. <laughs> and so it, it may hurt at times, no doubt, but it's not a long term pain, as opposed to holding on to the hurt, you make it a long-term pain. Like you perpetuate it yourself. So anywho. Tony says, I'm Aries too, 70 tomorrow. That's awesome. I turned 57 on Saturday. <laughs> 57. It's kind of crazy. Doesn't seem real, but you know. Um, and this says good at building businesses, but also building relationships with others. Well, you can't do it without others. I mean, that's just really it. You know, like we had a conversation, Chris and I, the other day. It's like, you know, I guess we didn't have to build businesses. You know, like our online businesses were doing great just by themselves. And so we didn't need to invest in our community. We didn't need to provide jobs for 14 people. We didn't certainly didn't need to dump a quarter of a million dollars into our town. You know, we could have just kept that and traveled and spent it all on ourselves and had a good old time, you know, go around the world like a lot of these marketing guys do. You know, you see them driving the, the Lambos and um, hanging out in Cabo and all those kind of places. I mean, hell, we certainly had the money to do all of that, you know, but what's the point? You know, just that you get to see different places around the world, yay you, and eat good steak in other places. We have a good steakhouse 12 miles down the road, you know, and it doesn't help our local community at all. It doesn't help provide jobs at all. And, you know, I'd much rather invest in my local area than just you know, buy another something or go to another place or get another car or whatever. I don't need that stuff. Don't care about it. You know, I mean, I have nice cars, don't get me wrong, but, um, but still it just, you know, I just can't be that self-centered. I just have no desire to, to be that guy. Neither of us do. Well, Kristen's a girl, obviously, but, <laughs> but I mean, we've talked about it. It's like, it would be easier if we weren't running these stores right now. I mean, hell yeah, it would be easier. But um, I just can't imagine not having them. I can't imagine not having the employees that we have. 
So, so I'm happy with our choices. Mark says, you, your experience, your stores, and of course your dinos will be his new store's anchor. That's smart business for sure. Yeah, um, we actually have another dino that we haven't been able to put out just because of its sheer size. It's an oviraptor sitting on a nest with eggs. And um, it's big. <laughs> We have it on a skid right now in one of our storage units, and he way overflows that skid. Like, you can barely even see the skid. Um, it's pretty funny. But, uh, so we may bring him out and put him at one of the two locations. We're not quite sure yet. It's one of the things, I mentioned it to him yesterday, but we're going to talk more about it in detail. Because he's meant to be outside. It's not animatronic. Um, it's just a static dino. But he's probably five feet high and then... I don't know, maybe, yeah, about five feet. And then I think his nest is probably a solid five or six feet across. <laughs> Pretty good size. I mean, the eggs that he's sitting on are, are she, I guess, are like larger than the size of giant ostrich eggs. So one way or another. All right. Um, Mark said, I liked her new logo. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Me too. Red, black, and white seem to be our colors for a lot of things. And so it fits well with this also. Um, okay, folks. Well, that's all that I have uh, for today. Um, hope you enjoy the rest of your week going forward. Think about what we talked about today and how you can apply that to some of your dreams, perhaps, that maybe you haven't thought of in a while. And uh, might just be time to dust them off. Not to try to make something happen. That doesn't work. I can speak from personal experience on that. But watching it happen without your active involvement. That's pretty darn sweet. Um, <laughs> because it's just crazy how stuff like that can come together. Um, we haven't yet marked, but I think we're close. We've been looking at some dates for coming down. So, um, hopefully I'll be able to let you know in the next couple days of when we might come down. We book our calendars out a couple months in advance. So we have to be, we have to play things pretty smartly. Yeah, we'll do. Yep. All right, everyone. Uh, we will reconvene here next Tuesday at 10 a.m. And until then, enjoy your week.